0: Welcome to The Virtual Quadcast. I am your host, Carla Natale, and today we are gonna hear from Kristen Iannucci. Kristen is a Quinnipiac alum, and she is also the founder and owner of Happy Homes Dog Daycare and Training. Today, she's going to talk to us about adding a new puppy member of the family and how to go about positive reinforcement, socialization, and avoiding separation anxiety. This is The Virtual Quadcast. Thank you for joining us. We're so happy you are here.
1: Her, uh, happy Homes, uh, yeah, we opened in 2018. Um, we do uh, daycare training, so um, pretty much like puppy school, and we'll do private lessons and stuff like that. Um, we'll board dogs as well. We have a small kind of boarding area, um, and they're, they're part of the daycare, so they get to run around and play with everybody during the day, um, so they're not kind of stuck in a, in a kennel all day. Um, and we're located in Woodbridge, so um, right on Bradley Road there. So it's not, it's not too far from the highway and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty much our mission um, for a, like a daycare um, and training facility would be to create a fun, safe, um, and kind of caring environment for the dogs to learn and play and interact with each other. Um, and we're, we're really careful to um, obviously evaluate everybody and make sure everybody is having a safe and fun time. And we focus on force-free positive reinforcement training. So there's no like punishment or reverse of uh, kind of any, you know, anything un- unpleasant that we would be doing to the dogs uh, mm-hmm. to get them to kind of do things that we want them to do. So we have them respond to us in more of a positive way. Yes, yeah, So you can go to the next slide. Um, so just kind of to go over, we, we talked about, you know, the, the basics of this whole thing is about getting a new dog. So I just wanted to go over kind of how um, you would go over getting a new puppy and kind of a, a good way to do that. And we talked a little bit about that while we were getting ready. Um, so you can find like a reputable breeder or rescue. So kind of what you would want to look for for a breeder would be, mm-hmm. you want to be able to go to their go to their, their house where the dogs are, meet the two parents, uh, make sure that they're kind of in a clean uh, safe environment. Talk to them about what kind of socialization the dog has had, the puppy has had during its kind of formative years. You know, its earlier years. So we'll kind of go over that. Um, between three and sixteen weeks are kind of the really important time and period where you'd want to make sure that the dog has really good positive um, experiences. So you want to make sure that that happens and, and things like that. You can also go to a rescue and, like we talked about. I was just talking to uh, Lucy about that. That. A lot of rescues are a little bit harder to deal with, and sometimes they could be a little, a little tough. Um, but you can go through a rescue, and there's a lot of good ones, um, or your local animal shelter. And you can always, there's always kind of a little bit of risk involved with whenever you got a new dog. You're, there's a little bit of a risk involved with that because you don't totally know the dog for a little while. So you want to make sure that you, you don't totally, you don't totally trust the dog, but that you give it time to kind of get adjusted and get used to you, and you get used to the dog. And then, like I said, you want to give the dog some time to get adjusted to its new home. It usually takes about three weeks-ish for the dog to, to get adjusted and, and know that it's kind of there in home and get adjusted to all of you. So you want to give it some time. Um, you also want to make sure you visit, you know, when you get your dog and you bring a puppy home and everything, you want to visit the vet in a, within a few days of, of getting the dog and they'll check the veterinary records and check the dog out and make sure that everything's fine and growing well and everything make sure your vaccines are good and on board um they'll kind of go over a bunch of stuff we'll check you know a fecal sample they'll do all these things to make sure you're starting off the right foot with the dog mm-hmm. then you can get a bunch of different kinds of toys and things in the corner there it's maybe blocked there's a picture of a kong so there it's kind of like a it's like a food toy that you can stuff with with some food, and it's good to kind of get them to, um, to kind of settle in a crate, or if you want to get them to settle on a bed, it's a good way to do that. There's also interactive toys, so different things where you can take the toys and put them inside, and they can work on getting them out, and there's a bunch of different types of toys, but you can, you want to get some toys for them mm-hmm. so that they're not chewing on the wrong things. You want to give them something to chew on that's good. It's kind of just a few ways to get them used to, obviously, walking on a leash and different things like that. Um, you want to get them used to. So that's basically just a couple of things that you want to that you want to do with your dog when you get it. A good thing to do with your dog is crate training. Some people don't aren't don't love the idea of crate training, but for dogs, it's actually really a good thing to do. Um, dogs are really very much den animals, so instinctually, they they like to just kind of feel enclosed and safe. Um, so like I have, two, I have two dogs and we crate train them and now they, they'll go and like lay in their crate and hang out and they really, that's kind of where they feel safe. It's kind of their own space um, and it's, it's a good, it's a good thing to do. So in order to, you need to get them conditioned to the crate usually. So if you go to a breeder and the breeder, you know, or, or the rescue or whatever, where they're being fostered and they get, they work on crate training with them, that's good. Um, it'll make life for you a lot easier with the crate training. But no, it doesn't always happen. So you might want to get them conditioned to the crate. So to do that, you want to kind of make it a comfortable and welcoming place. So get like a blanket or a nice bed. Got, you know, put some some water and toys in there. Um, Throw some treats in there when you walk by every time so that when they go into the crate, they're like, oh, cool. Like all this, all these treats are kind of showing up in here and it, it makes them happy to be in there. Um, you can feed their meals in there so breakfast and dinner or lunch or whatever if you give them lunch um feed their meals in there so they're associating the crate with a good comfortable place to be you want to get the dog comfortable with going in and out of the crate so you can kind of make it a game like sit on the floor with them for a few minutes a day um have them go into the crate and and give them treats and praise when they go in let them come back out go back in come back out and kind of make it a game so that they don't feel like when they go into the crate they're going to get trapped It's usually a good thing to do that they know that they're going to come back out. Um, Then you can extend the time that they're in there with the door closed and stuff little by little. So you can gradually extend that. That'll make them a little bit comfortable with going in and out. Um, And it won't have you forcing them into the crate, which is something that you don't, you may have to do at some point to get them in, but you don't really want to like force them in. You want to kind of get them to go in using, using like a treat or something like that. Um, you can leave the door open to the crate so that they feel like they can go in and kind of rest when they want to. Um, that makes it kind of a good, a good place for them to feel safe and like they can go in there anytime that they want. Um, the crate is good because it'll protect your dog from the house, so if you're not around and not able to say like you're not, you know, you're, you're run out of the house, you have to go to the store, it makes sure that your dog isn't creating mischief while you're gone. So if the dog has kind of free run of the house, he might be ripping things up or whatever. And the dog would get hurt and your house also gets hurt. So it's good to do. It also helps with potty training. So um, it's kind of a multifunctional thing, which is, which is nice. So
2: Kristen, I have a question. So yeah. is there a better time um, in a dog's or puppy's development to introduce the crate to them or should you introduce the crate to them right away?
1: Um, I mean introducing it right away, like maybe as soon as you get the dog is good because the earlier you introduce things, the, the less likely they'll be to be nervous about them. So like I said that kind of that when we'll go over it in a few slides, that kind of um, really important period, the three to six, 16 weeks is a really um, important period for them to kind of um, socialize with different things and get used to different things. So the earlier you do things, the more likely they will to be okay with them if that makes sense. Okay. So. Great, um, so pat for potty training um, kind of goes back to the crate, The crate, um, how big should the crate be? So pretty much what we say is the crate, I'm answering a question at the bottom by the way, um, crate should be big enough, not too big because you don't want the dog to create a potty area and a sleeping area. So generally dogs um, instinctually, they're not gonna go to the bathroom where they sleep, it's just an instinct of theirs. So you wanna make sure the crate is big enough that they could get up, turn around, uh, stretch out, but not big enough where they could section it off and do different things. So if you get say a dog that's little and it's a lab and it's gonna get big, you can section that crate off so that when the dog is smaller, they have like a divider, you can make it smaller so that it kind of just fits them to kind of stretch out and and, and has space to move, but not too big so that it becomes that kind of thing. Um, So you don't want it humongous basically. So as for potty training, um, you could use the crate, like I said. Um, The crate is helpful because going back to that, they're not gonna potty where they sleep. Um, So if you put them in the crate and immediately when you let them out, they bring them right outside, they're immediately going where they're supposed to go to the bathroom, so they'll go. You can leave the leash on when you're in the house, that way if you see the dog circling or showing signs that it's gonna go to the bathroom, you can bring them right outside, it's easier. Um, it's also good with different things, like if he's doing something that you don't want him to do or jumping a lot. It's kind of easier to control with the leash, atta- leash attached. Uh, yeah, so you can create him when you're not directly watching him. Um, if your dog has an accident, um, you can catch it and bring it out. You know, cut and you catch it. So if you see him going to the bathroom, you can kind of interrupt that and and bring him right outside. Um, if he goes when you're not around, it's too late. You just clean it up, and and that's it. You, The dog has already moved on and and forgotten about the accident so there's no point in punishing him. And then you bring your dog out frequently. So basically a rule of thumb is when puppies are little, um, they can hold their bladder and things for one hour per month of life. So a good example would be if your dog is five months, they could probably hold their bladder between four and six hours. So Um, the first time that they, the first kind of times that they're going to hold their bladder for a longer period of time is overnight. So when they're sleeping, um, so during the day, you're going to want to, um, bring them out more frequently. You obviously want to stretch out that time so that they get used to not going to the bathroom every hour, because you don't want to do that for their whole life. But, um, that's a good rule of thumb, the kind of hour per month of life thing. Um,
2: what was the good rule of thumb that you just said?
1: Um, an hour, they can hold their bladder and, and things for about an hour per month of life. So if the dog is five months old, um, could probably hold its bladder for four to six hours. So um, give or take. And then you're going to want to feed a regular feeding schedule because a lot of times once they eat, they pretty much have to go to the bathroom. So it's a good way to kind of get them on a regular schedule. So you want to take them right outside after they eat because they're going to probably have to go kind of mm-hmm. stimulates things to move along. And then when you go outside and they go potty, just make it a really good rewarding experience, maybe bring them to the same spot every time, make sure that they go to the bathroom before they run around and play because they tend to get distracted and then they come inside and they go potty because they're distracted outside. Um, So when they when they do go potty, make it a good thing, you know, give them a treat, have a party, make it make them know that it's good. And then make sure that before before they play or anything else, they've they've gone to the bathroom to their bladder and done everything else. You know, so they get distracted. So, you know, bring them outside for about 10 minutes. If they don't produce anything, bring them back in, put them back in the crate Um, in like 20 minutes or so, bring them back outside. So make sure that before your dog is out and running around, he's he's done what he had to do because he will forget about it. And then he'll end up going in the house because he'll remember once he's in the house. Right. So that's kind of how puppies work. They're very distractible. So I have a question,
2: another question um, about potty training. So how long do you think it it takes for the average dog to become really acclimated with the potty training schedule? Uh,
1: It depends on the people and the dog. So, I mean, it could take, I wouldn't say any more than, depending on when you get the dog, I wouldn't say any more than maybe a few weeks to a few months. I mean, it depends, like I said, it depends on how consistent people are with it and the dog. So, um, you know, if you're really, a lot of dogs will pretty much they'll come home and be in your house and they'll immediately, you know, be good. And then some dogs, it takes a little bit longer. They have kind of, sometimes they'll, they'll be good, 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 and then they kind of have a setback, you know, and then they, they go potty in the house once or twice. And so it's going to kind of depend, but usually, mm-hmm you know, by six months or a year, you know, at least a year, I would hope that they're, they're pretty much good to go. So, um, but it depends on the dog and everything too.
3: Okay, great. I have a question. Yeah. Um, so my puppy is eight weeks. And when she first came home mm-hmm. last week, she was fine and didn't have any accidents for the first few days. Now she's been having a few accidents. I steam cleaned the carpet Um, And we've been going out every hour. But um, the past couple of days, I've taken her out. She's peed, like, three times, but then come back inside and then immediately peed on the floor. (laughs) Is that normal? Or is there something I can do to fix it? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, usually she just peed immediately inside. Yeah, like, she will have peed a couple times. We'll have spent about 15, 20 minutes outside and then come back inside and then she pees on the floor
1: yeah maybe she doesn't empty her bladder all the way or something like that so maybe you know it, it's kind of it's weird because like they you know she already went outside so maybe you know bring her in kind of watching her she looks like she's gonna go again kind of bringing her back out type of thing but and if you're you know if you if you bring her back in and she's kind of free there and she's young too like so your puppy is young if she's only eight weeks you got her when she was eight weeks or she's eight weeks now
3: I got her when she was eight weeks so she's just about nine weeks now
1: yeah she's young so it it, it's also it's also that so it's going to take a little bit of time for her to completely like know like oh okay I have I still have to pee more so it's 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 a learning a little bit of a learning curve but um, it could also, I mean, sometimes it could be medical, so make sure that it's not something medical as well. So that's if, so if the dog was older, I would say to rule out something medical first. So take her to the vet and have a, have like the urine checked to make sure it's not say like a UTI or something, but, um, maybe, you know, maybe just try to, not that you're not on top of things, but maybe you just watch her a little bit. And when she comes back in, if she looks like she's going to squat again, run her back outside. Um, it could just be something where she's doesn't realize that she has an empty her bladder all the way. So it could be that. Just
3: okay, to, thank you. Uh, yeah, we're going to the vet tomorrow.
1: Okay, yeah, maybe talk to them about it and see. Because it could be, I don't think it's something medical at that young of an age. But female dogs are generally more likely to get like a UTI than male dogs. So it's something to keep an eye on if that keeps happening. Okay, so... Um, for basic manners. It's like it's it's important to teach pretty much, you know, to get dogs to a point where they're not going to be 100% robotic. You don't want them like that. You want them to be dogs, but you want them to have some manners and stuff like that. So um, at, at my facility, we teach. Um, we do. We were having classes. Obviously, we don't have those right now. Um, we teach basic like a puppy school so we teach basic manners there they also socialize and stuff so they stay with us for the day three times a week and we, we work on basic manners and, and all these things with them um so you want to find with a puppy you want to find a, po- a good positive reinforcement trainer. So you can ask them what kind of what kind of training they do if they say um you know mixed training or something like that it's usually not totally positive reinforcement so you want to find that um, uh, and then you can enroll in a training program if, you know, if, you, if you'd like, but it's obviously advisable to do because it kind of teaches you how to interact with the dog more than the dog teaching the dog anything. It teaches you how to do it. And then everyone in the household. So if you have kids or husband, wife, you're going to want to make sure that everybody's involved with working with the dog. So dogs don't generalize well. They, they pretty much you know, if they work with one person all the time, that's the one person they're going to listen to. So you want to make sure that they know like, okay, I have to listen to my mom, my dad, my brother, sister. I want to, I need to listen to everybody in the house. Um, and it's not like being, it's not being defiant or stubborn or anything. It's just, that's what they're used to. And you want to, that's, that's just kind of how they learn. Um, you also want to work with them kind of in, in all rooms and a bunch of, as many places as you can in the house and outside. Um, obviously outside there's gonna be more distractions. So you wanna kinda, how you wanna, you wanna get that behavior kind of down in one space and then move to another, get that behavior down in that space, move outside. So you wanna get consistency um, before you move around at all really. Cause we talk about um, adding like distractions and things like that. Um, so you wanna do that all gradually. And not anything too soon and if you feel like you're going you're moving too soon then you can go ahead and hop back and, and go back and uh, go step back a little bit but a trainer if you get a trainer they'll help you kind of determine how quickly or you know slowly you need to move stuff like that so different things that they would probably that they should work on or they will work on would be name recognition which is really important obviously um, eye contact so kind of getting your dog to, to realize that when he gives you attention, he's going to get rewarded for that, because that's a lot of what you want. Which um, uh, does going to your mat, for Jim getting there. Uh, sit, um, you know, obviously you want them. that's a really good, sit is a really good kind of um, command or cue to tell them so that it stops a lot of different behaviors. So You can, if they're jumping on the, jumping on the counter, you know, they can't, if they're sitting, they can't jump. So it's a good way to kind of manage a lot of different things. Um, Stay down targeting. So targeting is um, if you put out your hand or um, you have kind of a, a, a stick or you have a, place on the floor. You have a sticky note on the wall. You can teach them to hit that with their nose or their foot. You can, you can teach them to do that. And it kind of, it's a good way to get them to, to teach them a bunch of different things, like fun things, like teaching them to turn on a light or um, teaching them to, you know, go to a certain spot or teaching them to hit a certain thing or teaching them to move in a certain way. So it's fun to do. Recall is obviously, you know, coming back to you, um, going to your mat is um, so. If you wanna, and this is where that question comes in. So, going to your mat would be, say, if you're, it gives them direction as to where you want them to go, so that they're not kind of under your feet or in your way. So, if you're cooking dinner and you you have a bed in the kitchen or in a room off the kitchen, um, you can have them go to their mat, and they'll kind of be not near you while you're eating dinner or it'll give them a place to go where they feel safe it could be their crate it could be a mat um where they're kind of with you but out of the way sort of and that's sometimes a good thing because it gives them they, they do better dogs do better with like definite like direction instead of just saying like get out or whatever you tell them what you want and they'll understand a little bit better Um, Loose leash walking is obviously important so that they're not yanking your arm around and pulling your arm out of your socket. So um, those are all good things that most um, positive reinforcement trainers would go over. Um, And we're going to go a little bit deeper into that in a minute. So some kind of basics about positive reinforcement training. So you have primary reinforcers. So um, those would be the thing that the dog would work for. Um, so treats, praise, play. So some dogs are very food driven and some dogs are, you know, thrive more on, on being told that they're good. Some dogs, depending on what you're trying to get from them, some dogs do better with play. So a lot of times um, if you're doing recall it's, and playing tug is something that they enjoy, that's a good way to get them to, to come back to you. So it's going to depend on the dog and the activity and things like that. So I have some training treats on the side there in a, the picture. If you want to kind of use something small and soft, you could use their kibble. If you're worried about them getting, you know, eating too much, you could use their kibble. Um, you could take their daily kind of portions of food and, and use that throughout the day if you want. Um, so that you're not kind of, you can give them some in a bowl if you want, and then use the rest throughout the day as training. Um, Cause training isn't totally a sessions kind of thing. It's more of a, all day, every day kind of thing. So you would use your, you would use the training that you learn from your trainer and you would take that and use it all the time. You would just, that would just be your daily, what you do all the time thing. Secondary reinforcers are like a marker word. So it kind of, it's, it's a lot like, um, like Pavlov's dog. So with the bell and he rang the bell and then it signaled that there was going to be food coming. Um, It's very similar. So Uh, Marker words, say like, yes, would let them know that they're doing the right thing and doing what you want. It allows you to, um, it allows you to, to mark the exact behavior that they're doing at the exact time that they're doing it much better than you'd be able to do with treats or anything like that. So it, it's much more effective in training because you're able to immediately mark the behavior. So they know, okay, this exact thing that I'm doing is what this person wants from me. Yes is good. The clicker is a good way to do it because it's a different kind of sound for them. And it's, it's very immediate. So you can very, very immediately click and treat them. Um, and you want to always associate the clicker with with a treat so that they kind of know. And if you do click it by accident, you still give the treat because you want to make sure that there's a connection. So you'd work hard at first to, to kind of create a connection between that. So you would have them before you do anything, you would have you would click the clicker and give them a treat click the clicker give them a treat that way they know that there's there's a connection between the two that's kind of that um and some people are not as comfortable with the clicker and that's fine they find it kind of awkward um the marker word is fine too so um okay so the next yeah can you give us an example of a good marker word yeah so um yes good just whatever you want it could be it could be pineapple if that's what you want it to be it could be pretty much whatever you want but there's something that you're you're reserving just for that so maybe something that you're not always using you know in in your regular speech which um they're used to kind of hearing your voice which is why a marker word isn't always completely as effective as a clicker because they're kind of used to hearing your voice and all day they don't totally know what you're saying but they hear it um but the clicker is kind of more of a novel a novel sound you could even for dogs that are deaf, you could even use a flashlight um, to kind of click the flashlight on and off, and it's it's it'll mark that they're doing the right thing because they could see it. You could use a pen; it's the same way as a clicker. You can you know a, a, one of those cookie pens. But yeah, for a marker word, you want something kind of short and concise. Um, you can even use like "good boy" or something if you want, and that's your marker word that he's doing the right thing. So. So the positive, some more positive training basics, so getting the behavior, there's a bunch of different ways to get the behavior because dogs, you know, don't speak English. A lot of people will get a dog and they'll say like, sit, you know, just get the dog. They'll say like, sit, and they think the dog knows what you're talking about. And it's usually not what it is. Um, So you need to teach them what you want before you add the cue. So to, to a few ways to do that, um, luring, and that's kind of the most common way that people like to, that people will try and get the behavior. So we'll take a treat and, you know, with, with sit say they'll take a treat, they'll put it on the dog's nose mm-hmm. kind of in front of it and they'll bring the treat up above his head. And as the, the treat goes up, the nose follows and the head goes back and their butt goes down and they sit. So that's kind of the way and for down you would take the treat and put it on the front of their nose and bring it down to the floor. And as the treat goes, so does their nose and their head goes down and their body goes down. So, that's kind of one, the most common way of doing it. Um, you'd wanna make sure that you, once you get the behavior consistently and reliably, um, mm-hmm. you wanna add the cue before you were to move your hand anywhere because then your hand becomes the cue. So that's, the, that's part of it. For targeting, you would, um, we talked about targeting a little bit before to um, so teach the dog that touching your hand with their nose or their foot or whatever is rewarding or touching the end of a stick is rewarding. It's a good place where clicker training comes in because it's easy to click at the same time that they're touching your hand, so it makes it, it, makes it easy. Um, and then you can move your hand around, so you can use recall with targeting. You could teach them to do different tricks and stuff with targeting, so that's a good way to do it. Um, capturing is, is basically capturing, just what it says, capturing the behavior Um, as it's happening so the dog would have to offer you the behavior first so you wouldn't do anything to get the behavior but the dog would offer it to you so you want the dog to sit and you see the dog you catch the dog in the act of sitting down you would click and reward the dog for sitting down and then you would start adding that behavior and the more you reward them for a behavior the more you're going to get that's just just like with kids and anything else it's kind of the idea of learning with dogs. So, the more you reward them for, for behaviors, the more they're going to try to display them to get that reward. Shaping is uh, basically rewarding a dog for small steps towards a behavior. So, um, you know, you want your. So, an example would be teaching going to your mat. So, um, when the dog looks at the mat, you would click and treat. When the dog goes towards the mat, you would click and treat. When the dog steps on the mat, you would click and treat. So, you're you're kind of shaping that behavior by rewarding different steps towards it. Because the ultimate goal would be to him for him to sit and lay down on the mat and relax. So you're kind of getting there little by little. Um, as for chaining, um, it's kinda it's kind of similar to um, kind of similar to shaping, but you're breaking down each behavior. So you're um, you're not kind of letting him do exactly what he wants, you're breaking that down and teaching step by step different things. So each step has an ends to, to a means of a bigger behavior. Uh, so they're taught in uh, separate small sequential steps. Um, so when put together, he performs the next behavior. Um, so an example would be coming when called. Um, so the dog sits while you walk away. And then, um, so that's, that sitting is the end of that. And then he waits. So he stays. So that's one bit, be- another behavior. Um, and then the, the trainer goes away and then he, he runs, he comes and runs up to the trainer and then that's the other behavior. So you're kind of sequentially doing that. Um, as for when you're going to add the cue, um, mm-hmm. you don't want to add the cue too early. You want to make sure that, um, you know, the dog has gotten the behavior predictably and repeatedly first. So maybe 80 to 90 percent success of getting that behavior then you'll start adding the cue. You'll add the cue before you move your hand or do the lure or anything. That'll be the first thing you say um, because they'll, you could teach them to respond to the cue or to re- teach them to respond to um, your kind of motion or hand signal. So, or, and usually they'll respond to the hand signal first um, more reliably than, than the word obviously. So, because they do pick up on cues much easier. So anything really in life could become a cue. Um, so you getting your keys is a cue to them that you're leaving, you grabbing the leash is a cue they're going for a walk. So for them, most things are are based on cues. So, so, um, as for socialization, like we talked about, there's a critical period for dogs. Um, so that's between three and 16 weeks of age. So when you talk to your, to a breeder or whoever it's, and that's a, that's part of, um, Getting a dog that's a little bit older and that's fine, but it's good to kind of know what's happening within the critical period. Um, They have the greatest capacity for learning new skills and social relationships. Um, So during that period, it's it's really easy to teach them to love everybody by making sure that they have good positive experiences with everybody. So you get a puppy, you have as many people as you can possibly find come into your obviously not right now because of corona but you know you would have as many people kind of come into your house and and give the dog treats and love on the dog play with the dog as you possibly could you know in your family um all different types of people from all walks of life as much as you can um and just make sure that they're having good positive experiences with them uh, that means men women kids um you know Different races, all different things, to make sure the dog isn't nervous about all these different things. Because, like I said, they generalize. They, they, they don't generalize well. So, um, if they, he, if the dog grows up in a home with only, you know, like me, like a short woman, like if they only grew up a short woman, then that's what they're going to be used to, and they, they don't have positive experience with anybody else. It's going to be really tough. So that's kind of wh- what you want to, you know, what you want to do is let them know that most people are good as for other animals you want to socialize them positively with cats and other dogs and anything else that you know because if they see you know if they've never seen a chicken before and when they're two years old they see a chicken it's going to be you know something something different for them and they may not respond in a in a good way um different places so bring them, bring them different places. So hiking, you know, in the woods, if you, if you like that kind of thing, um, to Lowe's, to Home Depot, where the pet store, the vet, just to visit, um, just all different places to kind of give them good positive experiences with that. Um, make sure that they have good experiences with different objects. So, you know, children's toys, if you have them different surfaces, so have them, um, go on grass and gravel and the road and all different things so they don't get nervous about that, especially like laminate floors and stuff like that. They find them a little slippery and they get, sometimes they get a little freaked out about it. Also, um, you know, for if, if say you wanted your dog to be a therapy dog or something like that, you'd want to get them used to walkers, you know, like for older people and wheelchairs and canes and different things like that. So those are all good things to introduce your dog to positively um, when they're, when they're young um you can you can enroll your dog in in a puppy school like the one I have or at my at my facility um, get them into a puppy class and daycare and that will get them socializing with with good dogs and new people, new places um, and puppy school we work on getting them used to different things so they're inside on a rubber floor, they're outside on gravel, they can jump on tires, they can run through tunnels, they, we work with them with veterinary care stuff, so we touch their feet and their ears and their face and their mouth, and we just get them used to all different things so that once they get older and they're bigger, they're not afraid of these things, so we make sure that they're all positive, because some people say like, oh, he's had experience with that, but it may not be in a positive way, so you want to make sure that it's a positive, good experience for them. So especially right now, um, this is a this is kind of a, um, a a big thing, especially now, and that's why I wanted to kind of put it in here because people are home a lot. So a lot of people are getting dogs right now because they're home and they have time. Um, and you know, eventually life is going to go back to normal at some point, I would assume. So especially now, um, you want to make sure that you 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 don't give your dog kind of separation anxiety so you want to make sure that your dog has alone time because it is a thing where they get really attached to their owner especially when they're just home constantly so let your dog be in the other room when you're someplace else or let them be inside when you're outside or vice versa make your leaving and coming uneventful so so when you return from wherever you went Um, Don't make a big deal about it. When the dog is calm, then you can give him attention. But if he's jumping on you and crazy and barking and this and that, don't feed into that. And um, now you're rewarding that behavior. So just wait until he's calm. And then, and then you could uh, greet the dog and and everything like that. And also don't make your leaving a big deal. So don't say bye, you know, fluffy, have a good day and all this stuff. Because you want to make sure that they don't totally have a cue that you're leaving. So A lot of times when when people start struggling with separation anxiety, we'll say, okay, you know, kind of switch up your routine. So if your routine is, okay, I'm going to work, I'm going to put my shoes on, I'm going to grab my keys, I'm going to walk out the door. Maybe put your keys someplace else, maybe put your shoes on outside so that they're not already, those are cues and they're already getting anxious that you're leaving. So um, switching up that routine will help with that you can roll your dog in daycare. So you can, you can, as long as your dog is good with other dogs and passes an evaluation, has his vaccines, you can bring them to a daycare, um, to give them a chance to do something different and, um, be away from you a little bit and be in a different, um, kind of environment, which is good. Um, if you notice any kind of separation anxiety, so like you come home and there's something ruined or you come home and the dog is, you know, injured. The most extreme kind of cases that I've seen is um, dogs you know, jumping out of windows and stuff like that because they're so anxious that that they're home alone or ruining some, you know, the the owner's couch or breaking out of a crate and hurting themselves or because it could become not only an issue for your house, it could become a a safety thing for your dog. So if you notice anything like that, definitely don't like wait and think it's going to get better. Definitely contact somebody um, that could help you and, uh, and get that kind of taken care
2: of. Thank you. That was really great. We have a few more questions too that we'll, we'll get to. Um, so I know, th- I know we've all heard the adage that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So what if you're bringing an older dog, an adult dog into your family? Like, is it just, are there different tips and tricks for how to um, get them adjusted?
1: Well, I mean, I mean, you know, just like any other dog, dog even an older dog is gonna learn I mean obviously they're gonna be like we talked about that period they're gonna be way past that and they're gonna be more set in their ways but dogs can still learn even when they're older and they enjoy learning even when they're older so we have a lot of dogs that you know they come to daycare and we work with them and teach them tricks and teach them you know different ways it's, I mean the behaviors are going to be more ingrained but you could still work with them in a positive way to teach them new ways of, of feeling and a lot of times it's you know what they're feeling is more anxiety based or something like that and, and you could work with them to to kind of help them you know to feel safe and secure and like you said it may take them a little more time because they're not as young and kind of you know able to absorb things as easily but but they will they'll adjust so okay
2: we have a few other questions from um some of our guests so how can we stop our dog um from nipping at our hands
1: Okay, so yeah, so the first thing that you would do if it's a younger dog, I mean, you know, what you would do is so the first way that when dog when puppies interact in their kind of in their group with their litter when they interact and another dog another puppy bites them a little bit too hard when they're playing because they play mouth they're, they're mouthy when they play that's all dogs all the time um, they'll give out a little yip so they'll they'll yip a little bit and that tells that other dog like okay, that was too hard. It teaches them bite inhibition. That's what you want to kind of do with with your puppy. So dog nips, you know, nips at your hand, even if it doesn't hurt, give out a little ouch, you know, loud enough to not really startle them, but enough to kind of surprise them and let them know that it that it hurts. So you want to work on teaching them bite inhibition. If that's not working and the dog is still going at it, um, you can stop all play. Make sure you're not playing anything with your hands. So if you're playing, make sure it's with a toy um, and maybe less interactive with your hands, maybe like fetch or something like that. Um, and don't have your hands be kind of the centerpiece of that play. Um, also, if he's really um, going at it, then take your hands, fold them, All play stops if they're nipping. Um, if they're still trying to go at you, it's, the dog's probably overstimulated um, so you'd want to put the dog probably away, maybe in a crate or a quiet area, um, and you'd well you'd want to get up and walk away as well. So you get up, you walk away, you don't give the dog attention, don't say anything, just kind of remove all attention from the dog. And if you if you do this consistently and everybody in the house does this, the dog's going to learn that okay, if I nip or I bite somebody, the fun and the play stop. And we're not going to do that anymore. So um, eventually with consistency, the dog is going to learn, but if the dog is, like I said, if the dog's overstimulated, he might need some time to kind of chill out. So you might want to, if you can leave him in that space where you're playing and be safe about it, then you might want to do that and just kind of walk away and close the door and let him chill out a little bit.
2: Okay, great. Um, We have a few other questions too. What do you, when your dog does have an accident inside, how do you recommend cleaning it? Because I know cleaning it is important. So do you have any products or process for cleaning
1: it? Mm -hmm. So you don't want to use anything with ammonia because that kind of compounds the issue. There's a product called Nature's Miracle. It's like a natural kind of product and you can get it at, they have it at like the pet store and stuff. You can get it there it'll break everything down so if it's you know urine or or feces or whatever it'll break all that down and kind of clean it up and it'll get all that out of the carpet and it'll make them less likely to want to go in that spot again because it's true that if they pee in a spot a certain number of times they're going to still smell it and they'll they'll keep peeing there so um you're going to want to get all that out of it's a a carpet you're going to want to obviously get it out of there you can use that on the regular floor too so probably a nature's miracle kind of product is good to clean that up with
2: Okay. And then um, what about um, going back to chewing? So someone asked a question about chewing. So if you catch your dog chewing on a shoe or something that they're not supposed to chew on, how do you, what's your advice for correcting that behavior?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously not leaving things around that your dog might chew on is the first step. So management of the environment. So That's, that's the first step of where we always go is managing the environment to make sure that the dog is is not gonna have you want to set your dog up for success. Right. So you want to make sure the dog is not going to have the opportunity to To perform those behaviors that you don't want them to perform so setting up for success. um, Putting your shoes away someplace where the dog can't get to them if your shoes are out or whatever it is that the dog is chewing on you know the rung of a chair or whatever redirect that your dog to something else um, give them a toy, praise them for chewing on the right thing, um, interrupt them chewing on it. If it still continues to be an issue where there, there's one thing that they're always chewing on, because a lot of dogs like how the wood kind of feels in their teeth and stuff. Um, you can get some, let's like bitter apples, spray. So it's kind of, kind of ranging into a punishment maybe, but it's, it's to kind of show them, um, okay, you know, this, when I bite on it, it doesn't taste good. So I'm not going to do it anymore. So you can try that. Getting good things for them to chew on. So if they like the feeling of like, say the wood or whatever on your chair, maybe getting them, they have kind of like um, wood kind of toys they feel that they kind of mirror the the consistency of that so you might want to get them that and a lot of dogs when they're teething they they do like to chew on things so get them a lot of good different toys for them to chew on. Okay and then what would you
2: say um Kristen is sort of like for people who are getting ready to make the step to add a dog to their family um what would be a good guesstimate of like the monthly or yearly expenses for adding a dog to your home oh,
1: well
2: it
1: kind of depends it depends on how much yeah and that's a good thing to to look into before you obviously were to get a dog so it depends the first kind of year when they're young or the first two years are going to be your most expensive because you're going to be doing a lot of vaccines and a lot of You know, so there's a lot of upfront costs. You're just going to get the dog. Sometimes they come vaccinated in speed. Sometimes they don't. So you're going to have a lot of vet visits because there's a bunch of different series of of vaccines that you're going to have to do. Plus the spaying and neutering. Plus, you know, heartworm medication, flea and tick medication, um, dog food, obviously, training. So it's going to, it's really going to depend on how much or how little the person wants to do. Because, I mean, it could be thousands of dollars by the time, you know, you're you're done with all that in the first year or two. Um, and then obviously those middle years are a little bit less because you're just doing maintenance vaccines. You may be done with, you're still going to do flea and tick stuff, but you're done with the space. You're done with all that stuff, but there's maintenance, you know, things you have to do. There's still the dog food. So it's something where you can, it's going to depend on region to region, vet to that and things like that. So I can't give you like a definite. I mean, I would maybe say like couple thousand dollars a year maybe at least you know so it's it's like a financial it's a it's a financial commitment as well as a time commitment so those are all important things to weigh when you're getting a dog so um for sure so
2: great and we have another question specifically about some of the services that you offer so do you do private in-home training like so if someone got a new puppy and they wanted you to come out and work with them and their family in their home is that something you do
1: yep that's something we do Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And I'm going to put here in the chat box so everyone can see it. um, The link to your website, Happy Home Step Dog, so they can get in touch with you and learn more about what you do. Great. That sounds good. Awesome. All right. Well, I think we got through all the questions. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you everyone for tuning in and thank you, Kristen, for sharing your time and your talent with us. Thank you. It's a really interesting and timely topic for a lot of people. And just so everyone knows, this session has been recorded. So it will be available on demand on our virtual quad. So if you missed part of it, or if you wanna share it with other members of your family so everyone's on the same page, um, you can go back um, and find that. But thank you, Kristen, for being here. Really appreciate it and wish you Good the night. best of luck um, with your dogs and all the dogs you're taking great care of. Thank you.
0: to Kristen Iannucci for joining us on today's episode. Today's episode was produced by Michael Bachman, Quinnipiac graduate student and executive produced by David DeRoche, Quinnipiac's Director of Community Programming, and hosted by me, Karlyn Itali. I'm the Associate Vice President for University Events and Community Partnerships. We would love to hear from you. If you have any thoughts, ideas, feedback, please feel free to email us at qupodcasts at we have a range of podcasts that you can subscribe and listen to and you can find those on qu.edu podcasts. Join us on the quad for future events at qu.edu slash virtual quad. Thank you and we look forward to having you with us at our next episode.